Well, good morning again, good morning again. Well, so the other day, I was watching a movie with my kids, and my son Micah, he's sitting right over there, and he turned to me, and he, he saw a character on the TV screen, and he said, Dad, is that the good guy? So he said, hey, Dad, is, is that the good guy? Now, my daughter, Mia, who will never miss an opportunity to correct her brother, she loves to do that, she loves to correct her brother, she said, no, Micah, that's the bad guy. You can always tell who the bad guy is. And I was thinking about this, because she was right. He was, he was the bad guy. And I was thinking about that. When you watch movies, and you watch kids' movies, uh, a lot of times you're watching it, and it's pretty easy to tell who the bad guy is going to be. Kids, if you watched a movie and you knew right away, like, that's the bad guy. Yep, that's the bad guy. Now, sometimes movies will trick you. Right? They'll think one person is the bad guy, but later on in the movie, you'll discover that he was actually the good guy or there was another bad guy lurking somewhere else. But a lot of times, I would say, you have a, you have a villain and it's, it's easy to tell. So I want to play a game this morning, kids. I want to play a game called uh, Name the Villain. Okay? I'm going to show different, uh, I'm gonna show different uh, pictures on the screen, and you can just shout it out when you know uh, tell me what, who this villain is. So we'll start off old school. We're going to go old school. Take a look. <laughs> Ursula. That's right. This is Ursula. All right, here's the next one. Gaston. Yes. Gaston. All right, next one. Jafar. Yeah, very evil looking, very sinister looking, right? You can tell right away that's the bad guy. How about this one? Cruella DeVille. Her, literally, her name means cruel devil, right? Like, it's pretty easy right off the bat to know who the bad guy or bad girl in this case is. How about another? This one's a little trickier. You remember this one? Sid, right? He, he breaks toys. The toys have to teach him a lesson in Toy Story. All right, here's a little harder one. Who's this guy? Do you remember his name? It's a little harder. Chef Skinner is his name. Jonah Skinner, Chef Skinner. He tries to take the restaurant away. How about this one? This one's a little near and dear. Randall, there you go, yes, in the back. All right, not to be confused with Randall Church, but this is Randall from Monsters, Inc. Last one, this is my son's favorite. Chick Hicks, they got it, that's right. This is my son's favorite, Chick Hicks, the, the bad car that knocks all the other cars off the racetrack. Here's the first thing I want you guys to hear, is that every good story has a bad guy. Every good story has a bad guy. Every good story has a villain, an enemy, something that the, the character has to overcome. Every story has a bad guy, a villain, or an enemy. Now, God is the greatest story ever told with this world. Did you know that you are actually part of God's story? And God is writing this amazing, beautiful story right, as we, right, right before our eyes. And you are characters in God's story. You get to be part of this thing that's going on. But just like every story, every good story, the story that we live in our world today, it too has a bad guy. A villain, an enemy. Of course it would, right? Every good story has a bad guy, a villain, and an enemy. Now, maybe you've talked about the bad guy downstairs. Well, let's, again, let's play a little game. We'll put it out there. What, who is this guy right here? Wait for it. It's coming. 
it's coming. That's a blank screen, you're right. The blank screen fell in. Looks like we're having technical difficulties at the time. So I, I'll, maybe I'll just describe it and you tell me who you think it is. All right, this guy, he's red. He's got pointy horns and a lot of times he's holding a pitchfork. The devil, there he is. All right, we got him. Right, this is the devil. Have you, now we, we talk about the devil, right? And a lot of times we talk about, the, we put up a picture like this, right? He's kind of like a cartoon character. He's got his little pitchfork. He's got his little devil, you know, horns, right? And we talk about the devil, right, as sort of the bad guy in God's story, right? We are all living a good story. God is writing a good story, and you are a part of it. But every good story has a bad guy, a villain, an enemy. And just as God has his angels, which is like his good army, right? God's angels are like his good army. The devil has his own army of demons, and they are the villains. And they try, like every villain in a, in a movie that you watch, they try to capture us. They try to mess things up. They try to make it bad for the story, Now, in our passage this morning, Jesus and three of his disciples, they go up the mountain. Jesus kind of goes away for a little while. He takes three of his disciples and they go up the mountain together, leaving the nine other disciples kind of by themselves. They are kind of by themselves at the bottom. They stay behind. Now, when Jesus comes down off the mountain, he finds this big mess. There's been an attack A boy has been kidnapped by one of these demons. He's like a prisoner in Rapunzel's tower. And the boy's father is calling out for someone to set him free. Someone must rescue this boy. Now, this is a real story, guys. This actually happened. We have a real enemy. We think of him as like this cartoon character, but he's very much real in our world. He's the bad guy in God's story, and he has an army, just like God has an army. And this army tries to capture us. And this is what we find in this. This boy needs to be rescued. Now, I will say this, kids. The enemy has lots of tricks. And nowadays, he doesn't really try to use this trick anymore, where he really comes and, like, takes someone over. He doesn't really, in our world, in our context, in our culture— He doesn't really try that trick quite as much because he's really sneaky. He doesn't want to get caught. So what he will do is he'll try to capture our heart and our minds instead. Instead of capturing us for real, what he'll do is he'll lie to us to trick our hearts and our minds to believe something and try to capture us this way. Now, there's another Disney villain that I didn't put up on the screen. We didn't use for the game. But how many of you have seen the movie Lion King? Raise your hand if you've seen the movie Lion King. All right. Who is the villain in Lion King? Scar. Now, Scar is a really good villain. And the reason is is because he's sneaky, right? He doesn't just attack Mufasa, right? He doesn't just attack Simba. He's sneaky. And he begins to tell Simba lies, doesn't he? He begins to, to, to move him in directions he wants to go and puts him right in a place of danger. Um, now, there is a scene in The Lion King that's probably the saddest two minutes in movie history. 
And if you've seen The Lion King, most of you raised your hand, you saw it. It's when Mufasa gets run over by the, by the wildebeest, right? Right? And Simba finds him. Do we have that video? Do we have it? Let's, let's take a look at this video really quick. Okay, we're, we're not there. I think that's for the better, as I was thinking about it, because it's a really, really, really sad uh, part of the movie. Simba cries. He says, Dad, no. And you know, it's, it's, a really, it's a really sad one. And, and just for, uh, to ease the tension, uh, I posted this a long time ago. When Mia was three and a half years old, I posted this Facebook uh, uh, clip. See, when she was three and a half years old, she loved Lion King. And uh, so anytime I was napping, Anytime I was sleeping, she would get on all fours, she'd crawl over to me, and she would reenact the Simba Mufasa death scene line by line. She had memorized it. So she'd, I'd be sleeping, and she'd come up to me, and she'd hit my head. She'd use her head, she'd hit me, and she'd go, Dad, get up, Dad. Dad, we have to go home. Help! Help! And she did. And it never ceased to be sad. It was sad every single time. And literally, she did it line by line. Anytime I was sleeping, I would get, I would get the Mufasa death scene over and over again. But what's interesting about that, that scene is, you know, Simba is crying and he misses his dad, and then Scar comes into the picture. And, and when Scar comes into the picture, he says to Simba, he goes, Simba, what does he, do you remember? What does he say? Look what you've done. That's what he says. He goes, Simba, look what you've done. He goes, if it weren't for you, he'd still be alive. He says, oh, what will your mother think? And then finally he says to Simba, run. Run. See, that's what the enemy does. The enemy, like the boy in this story, the enemy uses a different trick. The enemy wants to, like, take that boy, but, but the enemy right now, he doesn't often do that. What he does is he tricks us. He uses another trick, and he tells us things like, what have you done? Well, if it weren't for you, something better would have happened. What, 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 what will they think? What will your parents think? What will your friends think if they found this out about you? Just run and hide. Just go run and hide. The last song we sang right before we came up, the last song we sang was a song entitled, Look What You Have Done. This is a song that some of our youth picked out. This is a song that resonated with them, and they wanted to share it with you. The lines, look what you've done. How could you fall so far? You should be ashamed of yourself. The lies I believed, they've got some roots that run deep. What have you done if it weren't for you? What will they think? Run. Run. This is what the enemy will do. He'll try to capture your heart and your mind. It will lie to you, tell you you're not good enough, tell you that you're always screwing up to keep us in a prison of shame and fear and feeling bad about ourselves. We need to be set free. We need to be rescued just like the boy. But here's the good news. Remember before, we said every story has a bad guy, a villain, and an enemy. But that's not the end. Because every story also has a good guy, a victor, and a hero. Every story has a bad guy, and that does not 
um, that does not uh, mean not this one either. The story that God is telling with each of your lives, kids, the story that God is telling you about is this great story. And it has a bad guy, a villain, an enemy that's going to try to capture and take things away. But we don't have to live in fear. We, we don't have to be scared because every story has a good guy, a victor, a hero. I asked my daughter the other day, I said, hey, in all these movies that we watch, what would happen? What would happen if the bad guy won in the end? And without missing a beat, she just went, she scoffed at that. She was like, that would be a terrible movie. And she's right. Because every story has a good guy, a victor, a hero in the end. Now remember, Jesus and the three disciples are coming down off this mountain. Jesus has invited three of them up while the other nine disciples stay behind. Now think about that, right? Pretend you're one of those disciples, kids. You're, you're hanging out with Jesus. He's, he's showing you what to do. He's teaching you. You feel good about that. And then all of a sudden Jesus says, now I'm going to pick you three and we're going to go up a mountain and, and you nine, you stay behind. How would you feel if, if Jesus did that to you? I feel a little bad, maybe a little left out. Maybe like Jesus picked his favorites and didn't really pick me. You, you might not really feel all that great about it, maybe even a little jealous. And in fact, the disciples had a history of fighting and arguing over who was the greatest. Kind of like, have you ever, uh, if you have a sibling, if you have a brother or sister, have you ever like argued about who mom and dad like, you, like better? Have you, ever, have you ever done that? Well, mom likes me better. No, my mom likes me better. Or like when, you, when one kid gets in trouble, like the other kid, you're, you're really happy to see your brother or your sister uh, getting into a little trouble and you think, hmm, yeah, because mom and dad like me a little better, huh, right now. This is what the disciples did all the time. Jesus' disciples, they argued all the time about who was the greatest. Here, let me show you a couple here, just so, just so you don't think I'm making it up. In Luke 22, it says, A dispute also arose among them, this is the disciples, as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. They, they were arguing over who was the greatest. Matthew 18, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They walked right up to Jesus and said, tell us. We want to know which one's the greatest. In Mark 9, and when he was in the house, he asked them, Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing along the way? But they kept silent because they knew they were in trouble. For on the way, they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. I love that one. Like Jesus is like, what were you guys talking about? And they all knew. They had done it a lot. Like, uh, we're arguing about the greatest again, right? Kind of like when your parents are like, what were you just saying, right? And my, my kids are like, no, nothing, right? Like, what, what, what were you guys talking about? Oh, you caught us. We were arguing about who was the greatest again. They do this all the time. Now, again, imagine you're one of the nine disciples and Jesus took the three up on the mountain and they were having a, a retreat together. You've already been arguing for a long time about who is the greatest, how would you feel? Man, maybe Jesus made his choice. But then an opportunity arises. Jesus and those three are gone, but along comes this attack. The boy has been kidnapped by one of these demons. He's a prisoner, and the boy's father is calling out for someone to set him free. Someone has to rescue him, and you're thinking, here's my shot. I'll prove myself. I'll show everyone that I am the greatest. Psh, you guys can go up on that mountain and enjoy it. I'm going to go, I'm gonna go uh, uh, 
rescue a boy. I'm going to show you what this is all about. But what happened? Well, when Jesus comes back, the father says what? I brought him to your disciples, and they couldn't do it. They tried to be the hero. They tried to be the rescuer. They were the ones that thought, I'm going to show everyone who it is, and they run, and they try to do it, and they couldn't do it. And here's a strange thing, guys, is that earlier on in the story, the disciples were doing it. They were rescuing people. They were getting kids uh, freed and saved. They were driving out this enemy. In Mark 6, uh, we know this because Mark 9 tells the same story. So earlier on, before this happened, in Mark 6, he called the 12, those are the disciples. Jesus called the disciples and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. That's that enemy, that's that enemy army. So they went out and they proclaimed that people should repent and they cast out many demons and anointed uh, with oil many who were sick and healed them. So it's not like these nine disciples hadn't already been doing this. They were rocking it. They were doing an awesome job. And then all of a sudden, Jesus leaves and they can't do it anymore. What, what happened? Well, you were, doing, you were doing such a good job before. What, what, was hap- what would happen to them? And with their tail tucked between their legs, they asked Jesus the same question. Why couldn't we cast it out? What did Jesus say? Because, you, because of your little faith. See, the difference between what, in Mark 6, the difference between when they were casting him out before, when they were winning, when they were rescuing people, and now they can't do it anymore. The difference is, is that they lost faith. They forgot who the real hero was. They forgot who the real hero was. These disciples hadn't always had a lack of faith, but they did in that particular moment. They didn't put their faith in Jesus. They put their faith in themselves. They thought they could be the hero of the story. They'd done it before. We can do it again. And they realized they couldn't because the disciples are not the hero in the story. The disciples aren't the hero in the story. Jesus is the real hero in the story. And when we put our faith in him, he will defeat the bad guys, the villains, the enemies. And we get to be part of that story as long as we remember that we are part of God's kingdom. We're part of God's army. We're part of his team. And he's the hero, not us. He's the hero of the story. And what's even more surprising is just how little faith is needed to be on his side. Just how little faith it requires to remember Jesus as the hero. Jesus said, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed. You all were given a bag a little bit ago. Why don't you just pull one of those mustard seeds out right now? If you're a kid just, or an adult, everybody, just grab one of those little mustard seeds and start just playing it with, with your finger. Start playing with that little mustard seed in your finger. Jesus says, if you have the faith like a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will be done. It will move for you. You couldn't, you were doing all of this amazing stuff. 
You were beating the enemy. You were driving them out. You were rescuing people because you remembered who the real hero is. Then I took a couple of you guys away and the rest of you started putting your faith in yourself again. You forgot who the real hero is and, and the enemy started to win. But if you have the faith like one of these, feel that in your finger, kids. If you have faith like one of those, you can tell a mountain to move and it will. If you have just this much faith, just think about how victorious you can be if you have just a little of this. The smallest seeds turn into the largest plants. This is what the disciples were thinking. We didn't get picked to go up on the mountain. We didn't get picked to go up on the mountain. This is what Jesus says. You wanted to go up on the mountain? With just a pinch of faith in me, you can move it. You, you wanted to go up on the mountain? With a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of the seeds. But when it is grown, it is larger than all of the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests. And it's, that's how big it is. You, you wanted to go up the mountain. Guys, if you remember who the real hero is in the story, you can move it. You can move it instead. See, with just a tiny little bit of faith, guys, you will beat the enemy. When you remember who Jesus is, when you remember he is your hero, when you remember that you can't do it on your own, but with just a tiny bit of faith in Jesus, he will rescue you and win. That's all we need. Mark 9, I've mentioned this before. In Mark 9, it tells the exact same story of what's going on. But in Mark 9, it gives one other little detail. It tells us that Jesus and, and the Father actually have a little bit longer of a conversation before he heals them. So he's talking with the father of the boy. And it says this, But his father said, If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. My boy, he, he's, he, the, the enemy has him. He's got him kidnapped. If you, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, what do you mean if I can? Do you know who you're talking to? If I can, all things are possible for the one who believes. This is my, one of my favorite, if not my favorite lines in all the Bible. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. I love that. Because it simultaneously recognizes that you can believe and yet struggle in your in unbelief at the same time. It's like the, the, the dad is saying, listen, I, I believe. Feel that, feel that little mustard seed in your, in your fingers again. I, I've got this much. I, I, I've, I've got a little. I've got so much unbelief. I've got so much doubt. I'm looking at my child. He's got to get saved. He's got to get rescued. He's got to get set free. I've got this little bit. Help me with the rest. Help, help me with the rest. And Jesus honors that prayer. And he sets the boy free. See, kids, you don't have to have 
all of this amazing faith. You don't have to read your Bible this much time or pray this long or, or do the right things or help this many people and then maybe God will set me free. You don't have to say the right things or, or go to school and get the best grades or make sure I make that team or make sure my parents are happy with me and then maybe then my parents and my church and, my, and, and Jesus, maybe then he'll set me free. Feel that? Feel that seed in your hand. Run it between your fingers. I believe. Help me with my unbelief. You see, guys, God is writing the greatest story with this world, and you are characters in it. And every story has a bad guy, a villain, an enemy, who tries to capture our heart and mind. Every story. I don't want you to be scared, kids, but every story has a bad guy, a villain, an enemy. It can't be a good story without one. And he is after your heart and your mind. He wants to lie. He wants to tell you you're not good enough. He wants to tell you that nobody loves you. He wants to tell you that God, you have to do all of these things in order for God to love you. They're lies. And you don't have to live like that. Maybe you're struggling, kids, with somebody at school. Or maybe you're really nervous about some things. Or maybe you feel like you're good, not good enough. Adults, maybe you're struggling with someone. Maybe you feel like you're not good enough. Maybe you're really nervous about something. Are you tracking with me, adults in the room? We need someone to set us free. We need a rescue. And every story also has a good guy, a victor, and a hero. And you're not the hero in this story. I hate to break it to you kids. You will not be the hero of the story. The disciples tried to be and what happened? <laughs> Didn't work. Every story has a good guy, a victor, and a hero. And you're not it in the story. You don't need to pray enough. You don't need to read your Bible enough. You don't need to try harder. You just need a mustard seed of faith in the real hero. You just need that little bit. Feel it again. That little bit. Say, God, I believe and I don't believe and I'm struggling and I want you to be my God. I want you to be my hero. Will you help me in my unbelief? Will you help me grow this tiny little seed into something big that you can use me for? Will you grow this? This is all you need, kids. Adults. Just a little bit. Every story has a bad guy, a villain, and an enemy. And every story has a good guy, a victor, and a hero. And in the end, the hero wins. The hero wins. It would be a terrible story if it didn't. That'd be the worst movie ever. In the end, the hero wins. And what this hero did is he took our sin all our mistakes, all our junk, all the times we messed up and he carried it on a cross. And all the punishment you and I deserve, he took on himself in our place and he died. It looked like the enemy had won. But we know the end of the story, don't we? 
because in the end, the hero wins. And three days later, what happened? He came back to life. He beat death. He beat the enemy. A man named Paul, he writes about this later on. He's so amazed at what he did. He said, then comes the end, the end of the story. When he, that's Jesus, when Jesus delivers the kingdom of God, the Father, after destroying every ruler, every authority, every power, every enemy that tries to fight us, he will destroy it, for he must reign like a king until he has put all of his enemies under his feet. That's the end of the story. So what we're going to do now is we tell that story in church through, through this thing we call communion. So we're going to take communion now. And friends, if you've got a child with you, it is your prerogative to determine uh, if, if they are going to participate. But this is a little symbol we do, kind of like the mustard seed. Maybe you take the mustard seed in one hand and then take the communion elements, which is a little packet of juice and a little wafer here. Maybe hold both in your hand, if you would. Just give you a little visual. And just say this to yourself. All I need is a little mustard seed of faith in Jesus. All I need, and feel that seed, all I need is a mustard seed of faith in Jesus. That Jesus died with his blood and was broken with his body but he beat it. He took the punishment for me and he still won. I need just a little mustard seed of faith in him. So this is something we do to remind ourselves of this story. So if you would, just peel off that top there. Take that wafer. Parents, you feel free, whisper now, uh, communicate, talk with your, your child if you want. This is teaching. This is what we do. We remind ourselves this is the hero. And he sacrifices himself like many heroes do for the good of everyone. And so what happened is his body was broken for you and me. So we do this to remember it. So let's all do this in remembrance of him. Now, if you just take this little cup, you can peel it back there. And Jesus said, with my blood that was spilled, I've created a new relationship between you and me. And we're going to do this again, he says. He says at the end of the story, when it gets to the credits, you know the credits roll and the music plays, it goes, when we get to the end there, we're going to party man, it's going to be the greatest party ever. One of the things that we do in the Longhouse is when we do a family movie night, we get to the end. And you know how like the end when the credits roll, like there's this big swell of music at the end, right? We, we, we dance. Our family, it's become a, I don't know where it came from. Like we just kind of like, I think one of the kids did it once. And so it's become a tradition for us is that music swells at the end of a family movie night and we turn that sucker up and we dance. Jesus is going to win. And man, are we going to dance. So this reminds us that Jesus wins. That his blood is shed now. 
The enemy might look like he's winning now. He's going to win. And we're going to dance. Let's take it. Let's call the band up as we close. A couple of weeks ago, um, I was coming in to say goodnight to my daughter. And I remember she said, um, she, she was reading her Bible, and I remember she said to me, she goes, Dad, I don't hear God's voice. I don't hear God's voice. And I remember the look she gave me, because the look wasn't, what, the look was, what do I do? What do I do? Almost like a little panic in her eye. Like, I, I'm not getting it. I, I don't hear it. I, I'm, I'm trying. I don't hear his voice. What do I do? Isn't that the question we all ask? What do I do? What do I do? Do I, do I need to pray more? Do I need to read my Bible more? Do I need to do? And the answer is never, what do I do? Kids, grab that seed one more time. Bring it home. It's not what you do. It's what has been done for you. And just with that little mustard seed, with that little mustard seed of remembering who the hero is, the hero has done it for you. And you can be set free. You can be rescued. You can be restored. Let's pray, God. We thank you so much that you are the hero of the story. Lord, we know that there is an enemy. We know that he's here and he's real, but we don't have to be afraid because you will win. And when the credits roll, we will dance. We believe, God, help us with our unbelief. Here's our little mustard seed of faith. Will you grow it into something amazing? We love you, you're our hero. In your name I pray.